For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken Bacusic with this week's One Last Thing episode with co-host Slava Cooperstein. Slava, how are you doing? I'm I'm feeling great, uh, Ken. You know, we uh, kicked in the door and took all the 49ers' presents. Uh, you know, like uh, like the Grinch, as as Zay Flowers illustrated for us. So feeling great. Yeah, was a was a wonderful uh, game in particular, and and I think you know the topic for today is an interesting one. Um, and, and it's what does this team have in common with the 2012 team? And in particular, in terms of contributions by elements of the roster, I'm going to let you kind of introduce it. Uh, but tell us about what you had in mind. Yeah. So, you know, when I when I think back to the 2012 Super Bowl winning Ravens, um, you know, you, you and I've talked a number of times and you've talked with a number of your other guests how the 2012 Ravens were by far the most inferior of the first five John Harbaugh, Joe Flacco Ravens Mm -hmm. uh, teams for, for any number of reasons, but uh, they did uh, what, what you really need to be able to do, which is get hot at the right time, peak at the right time. And, you know, I think one of the reasons that they were able to do that is that they got key contributions from both very young inexperienced players, as well as, uh, some some key plays from their veterans down the line. Yeah, I I mean I'd agree with that. I mean you could you could probably say that about almost any NFL team, but there was a lot of contribution on both ends of the barbell for that 2012 team, and I think we're probably seeing some of that in this team as well. Clearly, the the Ravens have a lot of veteran talent, uh, a lot of it priced very well, which is extremely unusual, folks. By the way, to get value out of free agency get real value over your cap cost of those players. Usually you fill a need, but you don't necessarily get value at those positions. I think the the 2023 Ravens have been remarkable at that. But go back to the 2012 Ravens. How how would you start that discussion in terms of making comparisons to the, to the 23 team? Yeah. So I, you know, it's, it's eerie. Some of the similarities um, that, that you, sort of have uh, looking uh, between between the uh, between the teams you know whether it was players filling in for um for you know injured ravens or or players coming back from injury you know for instance if you go back to 2012 um you know in the offseason Terrell Suggs tore his Achilles um I believe playing a game of pickup basketball if I recall correctly um I also remember a lot of people wanting to uh, you know the Ravens to not you know, not pay him for, you know, essentially doing something to keep in shape. Never understood that. But, um, you know, uh, Suggs came on and uh, came back midseason. And uh, and even though, you know, he he certainly wasn't the player that he was in his 2011 Defensive Player of the Year season, he was a key contributor down the line. And, you know, you can 
you know, the first comparison that uh, comes to mind for me is Marlon Humphrey um, being out the first uh, quarter or so of the season, coming back, fighting through injury, and now, uh, you know, turning in his best effort of the season so far, um, I think by a wide margin, uh, in, in the, against the 49ers, a really quality opponent. Outstanding game from Humphrey, no doubt about it. That 2012 Suggs season, if I recall, Suggs had two sacks that year or something for the for the entire season. I have to look this up because he got one in his first game back. I may have against Houston. I was actually in Houston for that game. Oh, you went Um, to the game? Yeah, yeah. My sister was living down in Houston at the time, so we we figured we'd go watch that one. Very cool. Um, Played in eight games that year, uh, and I have his snap total here, but he only played. 36.4% 36.4% of the Ravens snaps, 392 during the regular season. Um, it wasn't a good year. There's no way I can craft that into, uh, you know, polish it up to be a good year. Uh, but he did come back and he did provide something down the stretch. The, the, the Marlon Humphrey uh, comparison is apt, um, but Marlon has been a much better player, much more significant to the 2023 Ravens, in, in, in my opinion. The, the two other guys who the Ravens lost that season were – potentially much more serious losses. They lost Ray Lewis, who was their leader, um, along with, in the same game, Lardarius Webb, who was the best cornerback in the NFL at the point of his injury. He he had dominated the 2011 season. Um, there's always some residual love for players like Revis and whatnot around that time. Um, but if you look at any measure of statistics, his, his passer rating against that year was 42 uh, he had, you, you know, in the in the postseason, he shut down uh, Johnson of the uh, Texans in the in the win there to the after the bye to to get them to the AFC Championship. Um, so it's, it's a, uh, you know, it, it was an unbelievably bad loss. It's one of the ones you're in your seat, you're just screaming over when it happens, and uh, it it, uh, it was the Ravens' biggest loss, as big as bad a loss as losing the Defensive Player of the Year was. To think that you could lose another defensive player that'd be an even bigger loss is is really remarkable. You know, the Ravens have been without Tyus Bowser this whole year. Maybe yeah. that's a reasonable comparison in terms of the flexibility he gives this this defense. Now they've been able to scheme past that, obviously, and and you know, deal with these nice matchup zones, rotational coverages, whatever you want to call them, in terms of of uh, providing a challenge for opponents, but uh, a similarly difficult player to lose. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I had so much love for Webby. I mean, I remember just uh, him, you know, when he went down his, uh, I think his rookie year, uh, mm-hmm. right, right as we were about to head into um, the playoffs against the uh, <laughs> against the Colts. I was like, oh, that's that's not looking good. Uh, that's not looking good for us, and it certainly wasn't. Um, now he was a gamer, uh, and yeah, you know, it, you, you hate to lose a guy like that, and we've certainly had our fair share of. Uh, fair share of long-term injuries um, that, that, you know, we've been battling through, um, but, but have risen above admirably, I think. Yeah, that, that web injury, you know, the other, the other guy, the 23 Ravens have lost, they've lost one of their huge playmakers, obviously in Keaton Mitchell, just an enormous loss that people, you know, probably will look at and underrate because he was a rookie, but I mean, you know, they lost J.K. Dobbins. People thought that was a big loss, and it is a big loss. I mean, you know, he's lo- losing your one of your big running backs in the first game of the year is a big deal, and the Ravens, you know, penchant for replacing them with guys who are older and not as good had been hurtful, and it hurt the team's performance over the previous years. But the, but the, the Keaton Mitchell, they actually had ready to go as soon as he came off IR, and expectations were fairly high for him. 
Uh, so so that maybe even the Dobbins loss in a way didn't seem as bad at the time. But then the, to, to, to lose Mitchell, who has had, you know, on a on a per snap basis, one of the most productive years in NFL history for a running back. Uh, it's just it's just a, a, a awful loss. Yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I think I think you've said everything that uh, th- that there is to say on that. It's 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 truly uh, deflating, and and honestly, that losing Mitchell may be even more of an apt comparison to uh, losing Webb uh, than than anything else. Just the the magnitude of just the f- deflating feeling. I mean, you could see it on Harbaugh's face. You know, Harbaugh's face basically said everything that we were feeling um, right. about that. So that's a really good point, by the way, is is you don't often see Harbaugh show a lot of emotion on the sideline. And, and that clearly frustrated the hell out of him. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's just like, how many times is this going to happen? Um, and, and, you know, I, I, I want to go to just a point that, that you touched on earlier is, is that, yes, you, you, you absolutely can say for any team, it's like, OK, your young players and your old players are producing well. That's that's a recipe for success. Seems obvious. But, you know. Usually, your oldest veterans and your youngest players are sort of like a, can be your failure points um, mm-hmm. in in a game, right? Young players, um, you know, making boneheaded moves, um, and uh, older players uh, just not having the athleticism anymore, but you know, being you know being injury prone or, or something like that, and and uh, and to have all of those things hit at the same time is I think the rarity that 2012 was able to hit on that 2023 is uh, starting to. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I would agree. I think, you know, you, the failure point for young players is usually they're just not where you expect them to be in the development curve. They're not ready to be in the NFL in terms of their, their strength the, uh, to, to play the game and whatnot. You thought they were more ready to play in the draft than they, than they were. And the Ravens have got a whole series of players. And by the way, I'll, I'll plug the episode with Voss on Friday morning GM from this week, because it's about the 2023 development of the, of the players on the rookie deals. And it's, it's highly germane to this exact discussion, but you have players who are all over the place in terms of where the team probably thought they were going to be. I, I, I can't tell you what John Harbaugh actually thought about Salah coming into the OTAs when he put him in at left guard, whether that was just a motivational trick or it was a, or it was a move where he really thought he'd found something in terms of, in terms of a left guard, but um, he's a player who didn't work out. You know, he's still in development. Uh, you know, more is needed, I, I would say. There's other players the clock is running out on. I mean, if you look at a player like J.A.D., he'll be entering his third season next year. Had trouble staying on the field, but that's not even the problem because when he has been on the field, he hasn't been that good. And and uh, that's been, a you know, a, probably a more serious issue is that he, he can't seem to both find the football and track the receiver. It's just it's too much. And that's it's, it's something you have to be able to do as a corner. It's part of the job description. So there's a bunch of guys that that, that, that fit in all the way along the spectrum, including players like Mitchell, who, who you know, just even in the, the, the 47 carries he had and the, and the receptions he had made an enormous contribution to this 2023 season um, and, and any number of other young players who've made some to a lot of contribution, including you know Travis Jones, for example, stepping forward with what I think has been a really big year. For sure. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's very heartening to see some of these guys turning it on at the, at the right time. So like, let's, let's talk about Travis Jones, you know, Travis Jones has had, 
you know, a, a, a good year, certainly, uh, you know, but I think in the beginning, uh, maybe was a little more quiet than some of us had hoped, but he's, um, you know, I think your one of your guests recently was saying he's earning more playing time and that's really the way you want it to go, right? You want it, you, you don't sure. necessarily want, you know, trial by fire. You want the guy to basically force the coaching staff's hand to say, you can't afford to take me off the field. That's how well I'm playing. Right. Travis Jones is, is starting to really show himself um, to be that guy and is coming on at the right time, you, you know, so then, you know, if you want to go and look at 2012, you know, a guy that sort of started to turn it on right at the uh, very end of the season, uh, starting, you know, in, into the playoffs was Bernard Pierce, who's backup mm-hmm. running back uh, to Ray Rice and, you know, really provided a tremendous north-south, uh, you know, one-cut kind of run, running spark mm-hmm. um, f- for the Ravens, churning, churning some of those you know, tough yards, but also having some of that explosiveness really was, was almost like they had signed like a, like a, like a high quality free agent right at the end of the season. Yeah. Definitely. A, a Pierce was second or third round draft pick. I don't, I don't recall actually which, but uh, I think he might've been a three actually, but, but uh, he was a guy who, who definitely brought something to that offense. Uh, a lot of people thought he was going to be an unbelievable player and, and uh, for running backs, it doesn't always work out. Just things things can go south in a hurry, so uh, uh, you know we have to we have to look at that. I, honestly, I, I'm I'm very fearful of what might be down the road for Mitchell in that respect. I'll, I'll give you another player from 2012 though, who took on a role because there was nobody else there to do it, and that's Albert McClellan. He, he went in and he started the um, season at right defensive end. In, in place of well, in place effectively of Suggs, but he actually started that first game. His listed position is RDE, not outside linebacker. RDE. He actually had his hand in the turf for some of that game, yeah. um, and uh, and just he did things because there was no one else to do them. And if I were to t- to take a player like that this year, I, I think he's a pretty good comp for Harrison in terms of what he's done. Harrison isn't, hasn't played as many snaps, um, and McClellan that year, by the way, played. Almost thirty-eight percent of the snaps for the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, that, he, that hard to believe. He stepped in for Ray Lewis. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know when Ray went down, and honestly, um, you know we all remember Ray's last ride. We remember the speeches. We remember the unbelievable goal line stand. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, at which you've pointed out many times that you know Ray contributed to every single down um, on on that play. Uh, but twenty twelve really was. Um, you know, if 2008 was the final year of the peak of Ray Lewis's powers, you know, 2009, 10, and 11 were still very good years from Ray. 2012 was a down year. Um, yep. uh, and, uh, you know, I think he saw the writing on the wall. So, so honestly, when Clellan stepped in, um, what he, he, there, there really wasn't much of a drop off at all that I can recall. I mean, maybe the statistics bear something out, but I, but I remember being very pleasantly surprised with McClellan, not just from a, you know, athleticism comparison to Ray at that point, but also he was, he was a pretty intelligent, heady player. Yeah, that definitely, that definitely describes Albert McClellan, whether he's playing special teams or, or, you know, moving around playing inside linebacker, outside linebacker as needed in his time with the Ravens, but a um, prototypical 
kind of special teams plus defense contribution player that the Ravens really latch onto and keep on the roster for many years. If you're thinking about Levine or Stone really fell into that category until this year when he's, when he's got a lot more playing time. Um, but it, it's a, you know, it was a interesting team They had Danelle Ellerby and uh, Jamil McLean um, had been platooning more or less at that weak side spot. And they had a very complex platoon back then. They would, McLean would be a first down linebacker. LRB would be like a second and long linebacker. And then they bring in a dime on third down um, in years prior to 2012. Well, in 2012, with Ray's injury, each of them had to do more. And so they each ended up playing a lot of snaps. And LRB, of course, turned it on and got the game-winning pressure on fourth down in the Super Bowl. Yeah, he also, um, I think... Had uh, well, I'm trying to remember if it was 2012 or 2014 where Ellerby had a had a pick of Tom Brady in the in, in the playoffs. Oh, that um, was 12. That was 12. Okay, okay I think yeah. the ball deflected by McPhee, and he and he he picked it off. Yeah, and then because uh, because I remember Kerry Williams also had the um, game seal. Actually, hey, there's a name for there's you. a player, Kerry <laughs> Williams, Kerry freaking Williams. Yeah. You know, going in there, I mean it. Uh, you know, in, into a depleted secondary. Uh, does that sound familiar? And 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 refusing to let the quality of play in the secondary drop off. I mean, you know, you could you could put any of our you know signees there. Kerry Williams, Corey Graham, right, guys. Corey, that- Corey Graham is the other one I was just going to mention. Is he was so critical to that Ravens team, and, and he was a bargain free agent, a guy that the Ravens went out and got. Didn't have a ton of money to spend, but they went out and got a guy who who certifiably helped them get to the Super Bowl with the way he abused Peyton Manning in that in that uh, Mile High Miracle game. Yeah. Meanwhile, you've got, you know, you know, this year you've got Ronald Darby and uh, Rocky Sin playing meaningful quality snaps, uh, you know, stepping in when needed and, and, and just doing a terrific job. Um, uh, so, yeah, no, I think I think those are a very apt comparison. Uh, and then if you want to stay with the um, the defensive backfield, you've got Jimmy Smith in his second year in 2012, mm-hmm. who played such a key role in the playoffs, right? You know, he had the incredible special uh, open field special teams tackle of Trenton Holiday, who had already scored two touchdowns against us uh, during the Mile High Miracle game. Just what a critical play. And then also just incredible coverage on, on that goal line stand in the Super Bowl, yep. basically taking off uh, Michael Crabtree's head. Two um, plays in a row, right? Great, great yeah. coverage there. Yep. Just, just outstanding physical play, you know. And then, uh, you know, so he sort of kind of ascended uh, at that time. And, and you know, who's who's shown out more than Brandon Stevens this year, yeah. right? And uh, it, that was a case again where uh, Smith got injured on the first play of the year. I want to say, wait a minute, I'm thinking 11 or 12. 2011. It was the first play. Yeah. Special teams return um, yeah. when we stopped the Steelers. There you go. Yeah. Okay. That was the big downy uh, downside from that game. Yeah. There are a lot of other veterans on that team who made a contribution. Some of them who've who've you know kind of left themselves with some dark spots, but two guys in particular that I'll, I'll talk about: Bernard Pollard, who had a had a very important play in the AFC Championship game. It just turned out that Bernard Pollard was playing in the wrong era of football, even in 2012. In 2000. In 2023, he'd be suspended every other week. It's like, but for for in 2012, uh, you know, he, he was still playing in the wrong era. But he delivered that one enormous um, knockout blow, literally to Ridley, that that, that yep. knocked the ball loose and uh, had a very tough Super Bowl. 
And unfortunately, he's one of the Ravens who's become distanced from the team since he left um, with some of the comments he's made about the Ravens and the Ravens organization. Now they you know, didn't love him, didn't value him, yada, yada. Well, yeah. I mean, it's tough to value a guy who can't cover from the safety position. Um, you know, he, he got a ring for his efforts. And, you know, I certainly appreciate what he did while he was here. Um, hopefully one day he'll he'll come around. But um, definitely one of those sort of inexpensive um, veterans uh, who, who, who came through in a key moment for us. Another guy, a young guy who was uh, um, in ascension at this point, definitely had not reached, reached his zenith yet, was Pernell McPhee. Uh, now, in the 2014, he would be the driving force behind one of the greatest pass rushes in Ravens history. He could do anything he wanted on the interior, thunderous first step, uh, beat double teams with such regularity. It's it's uh, it's shocking. You could run all your stunts and and um, uh, around him as an under, uh, and he was about as about as good as anybody has ever ever done it for the Ravens. Not really credited the way Doomerville and Suggs are for that season's high sack total, but but he was really the man. He was really the man in the middle of that. And then the other guy on, on the defensive line, Arthur Jones, uh, young player, yeah. uh, still ascending 2010 draft pick in his third year. And uh, both those guys went on to be, uh, you know, well-paid free agents um, in other cities. But uh, but during their rookie year, but during 2012, they caught the ascension wave at the right time. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Art, Art Jones, um, man, I loved I loved him. He was a, he was a, mm-hmm. he was a great player. Had some. Uh, explosiveness and in, in sort of in, in the pass rush collapsing the pocket a little bit that was a little bit unusual um, kind of in the way in, I don't I don't know that they win the exact same way but they he'll, he'll surprise you in a similar way to um, um, Michael Pierce you know? for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's Granger Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Like it's like I I don't expect a guy that size and shape to move, you know, to move that way. Um, but, yeah, uh, but definitely fond memories of those guys. Yeah, um, Syracuse, Syracuse guy. Um, I, I remember one of the things is the Ravens had him black dotted on their draft board, and oh, what really? that means is that they have him. They either he's got a character concern, which was definitely not the case with Arthur Jones, by the way. It was an injury concern in his case. Um, that that had it, and he dropped far enough that the Ravens got him anyway in the fifth round. They really liked him, but they uh, they ended up taking him. So uh, uh, it's it's a it's a great story in his case of of uh, uh, of a guy coming back from frankly some draft adversity because I think a lot of people thought he'd be drafted higher than that. Yeah, um, a steal for us, and I think he went on to get a nice second contract from the Colts. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, fond memories of that guy. I, I think one of the most obvious ones, uh, one of the most obvious comparisons is um, 
uh, Tory Smith and uh, Zay Flowers. Sure. Um, it, you know, they're not, uh, you know, they're both fast guys, but the, dissimilar in sort of the way that they operate in the in the field. Like Flowers is a much more sudden, you know, joysticky athlete, whereas Tory Smith just, you know, beelines, you know, a thousand yards down the field and, you know, Flacco, you know, gets, gets, gets his DPI um, from, from the poor sap who's trying to cover him. But uh, the, the similarity is that, you know, they both had, you know, incomplete toolboxes at that, at this point in their careers, you know, Tory Smith in his second year flowers in his first. Um, but, but were both very productive receivers that earned the trust of their, um, of their quarterback. And, you know, of course, Tory Smith had, you know, one of the finest games of his career um, against the Broncos with, uh, you know, future Hall of Famer Champ Bailey getting burned for two gigantic, tremendous yeah. touchdowns. And one of which was an incredible adjustment. If you, if I, I believe going right to left. Um, um, on the, you know, on the right sideline, coming back to the inside, right by the goal line. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that adjustment, that midair adjustment is one of the most mm-hmm. athletic things I've ever seen a Ravens receiver do. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, you, you hope for that, um, you know, story to play out in a similar way for, for flowers who, who really has earned the reps that he's gotten and, and, and really delivered. I mean, you know, we have some gripes about maybe how he's being used and uh, a couple other things, but he's shown to be, you know, smart player, absent a couple you know, a couple of gaffes here and there, um, and uh, pretty sure-handed. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that is a that's another good comparison from that team. Uh, just uh, the the 2012 season was magical in a lot of ways. That sticking with 23 now for for a moment. What's one of the really striking things is just how well DaCosta has managed a very limited free agent budget this year to get players like Clowney. Um, Van Noy, who've all of a sudden given the Ravens not just a, a serviceable pass rush, which is probably what you'd hope for in, in that situation, but but you know the best one in the entire league, arguably. Uh, he certainly lead the league in sacks at, at, at least. Um, you know, he went out and got two cornerbacks, uh, both for inexpensive price, and then the Ravens didn't found, find themselves wedded to which one was ahead of them on the depth chart. And they did at, at two different positions because if if you if you talk, take Yasin and Darby both contributed early on in the season but both ended up behind Stevens who was a safety to start the season and they just said yeah we don't care who we're paying this is the guy we're playing and the and the other place where they did it is is at slot corner where they had Molette had a fair amount of guaranteed money in his contract it doesn't make a lot of money total just uh, vet minimum uh, approximately but he had two hundred thousand in guaranteed money which didn't ensure that he wouldn't be cut. But, you know, it, it, it was pretty close to it. And then starting the season, our Darius Washington has won the job. And, and they go with it. So it, it, it just, it's been a very good job of folding in these veterans with youth and making the right decisions with the youth you have. Yeah, you know, uh, inexpensive uh, free agent acquisitions outperforming their contracts, you know, above, above all else, you know, Clowney and Van Noy, like you said. Um, um, but, but certainly... Uh, you know, Darby um, and Yassine being um, key contributors. Um, you know, the, uh, I guess this is sort of a bigger difference between 23 and, and 2012 is that the, a lot of the veterans um, 
on the team were happen to be second or, or, or in some cases even third contract guys who are just cornerstone extensions. This was around the time when Ozzy just could not miss in the first round of the draft. So you had, you know, Ray, Ed, Suggs, Nada, but you had a guy like Bryant McKinney who was really not in the 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 coaching staff didn't really favor him for uh, for <laughs> they benched him the whole year <laughs> yeah yeah you know he had he had some attitude issues but uh but you know the team uh you know players revolted a little bit and said you know we need McKinney on this line and there's a guy who definitely ended up outperforming his contract in that Super Bowl run he um you know went to the left and allowed um uh, Michael Orr to go back to the right side. Yeah, I mean, that was that three-way switcheroo on the offensive line is something I don't think we'll ever see again. I don't think it's likely we'll see something like that ever again. But Michael Orr um, really needed to get some better advice probably from his agent or some better advice from players, from people around him who maybe didn't have the same financial interest or maybe that did have a financial interest that he would trust and say, you know, Left tackle, you may not be the ideal guy for that spot. And at right tackle, he appeared to be a borderline Hall of Fame player in his rookie year. You know, a guy who starts at that at the kind of level he played at, where he's enormously good as a right tackle, really bad as a left tackle, even in his first year. And then it got worse when it when he decided I just have to have that spot from Gaither in his second year and Gaither got upset about it and developed a back injury. And I'm using air quotes because Gaither would basically jump down any well um, if he thought it would spite somebody else to, uh, you know, <laughs> or cut off his own nose. You, you understand the, the, the metaphor I'm saying here, but yeah. uh, it, it's, it was an unbelievable three-way switcheroo. And the, the guy who probably benefited the most uh, was Osemele at guard. Well, I, I also think he's the guy we benefited from the most. Um, That's what he, yeah, he, I mean, he, he, you know, he was just a revelation in the Super Bowl. I mean, just dominant against that incredible 49ers um, uh, defensive line. Um, and, and, and really, you know, I mean, really just an all-time performance. Um, but, but yeah, the, the it, it, it is a tremendous thing to be able to, change three spots on your offensive line and just have everything hold together. I mean, just, I mean, certainly having Matt Burke at center and having uh, Marshall Yonda at right guard doesn't hurt. Um, but, but yeah, not likely to see something like that again. You know, that's, the Matt Burke one is a good one to, to like probe a little deeper on though, because they went out and they got Matt Burke and let, um, uh, Jason Brown. Yeah. Jason Brown. They let Jason Brown go and Jason Brown signed for five years, 37 and a half million. If I recall correctly with the, the Rams. Rams. Yeah. yeah. And then, and then uh, Burke came in, it was like three years, 12 million. He signed with the Ravens. So he signed for, you know, roughly half and he was a six time pro bowler. And came to just people have real um, uh, hesitation at signing to offensive linemen to, multi-year deals in their 30s and Burke ended up being one of the greatest linemen in Ravens history to play his position um I I think you know if you're looking at who was the greatest center in Ravens history I don't don't really think there's a question if you're thinking about who was the greatest lineman for his position he's right there in the discussion uh Jonathan Ogden would be number one but after that Marshall Yanda is number two and then and then Matt Burke in 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 a on a per snap basis is is really in the discussion even with those two guys um, but he's certainly in the discussion with a lot of other players the, the, and the Ravens have had a hell of a lot of great defense uh, offensive linemen in their, uh, in their history. Yeah, and Burke was part of a, uh, a fun um, 
a fun storyline. Um, you know, he, he got a little bit of personal redemption um, against the uh, Patriots. Um, trying to think who the, I, I can't think of his name, the gigantic. Will Fork. Yeah, Will Fork. You know, Will Fork really gave, gave it to Burke in the 2011 AFC Championship game. And uh, so that was a point of some concern. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. When we beat the Broncos, I said, we're going to the Super Bowl. Like there's no, no question in my mind, but Burke did have a personal redemption game and played very well against Will Fork uh, in that AFC championship game. Um, and just what, what, what a, what a pickup um, uh, for, for a guy in his late career. Um, yeah. Um, I, I did want to mention this one thing, because this is a, a common misconception about Will Fork. Will Fork knows tackle for his career, but in the 2009 AFC wildcard game where the Ravens went in and kicked the teeth out of the Patriots, he only passed the ball 10 times, ran at 52 and won 33 to 19. It was every bit as dominating a performance as what they just did the 49ers, and similar in a lot of ways, because it was all turnover laden and, and yep. the the uh, very similar game in, in a lot of ways. And the Ravens, uh, the different, the big difference was the Ravens passed the ball all night um, on Monday night. They ran the ball all freezing day on that wild card game against the Patriots. But Will Fork started the game um, and was doubled up on Ray's 83 yard run and, and, and Ray Rice's. And, and the great thing about that was they panned to the sidelines and Will Fork is explaining the play in like physical terms. You can tell him exactly what he's saying in terms of I was double teamed. I got pushed out of there and you know, this, this and that happened. Anyway, he moved because of injury. He had to play effectively like a five tech role. I want to say because the guy who got him for the whole game and just destroyed him in that game is Jared Gaither. And I, I you know, people say, wait a minute, Gaither's a nose tackle. Like, no, no, Jared Gaither was, was in there blocking, uh, Will Fork for a lot of that game and, and did a really great job. So I, I, it's just it's one of those cool things. And um, whatever whatever Will Fork did to the Ravens at later times, and you're right about the 2011 game. Um, I I think about that game and 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 the fond memories of Will Fork really being used like a sock puppet, you know, in that game. Yeah, another another good moment was uh, when Justin Tucker hit the. Um game-winning field goal uh, when they still had the replacement refs. And you could see yeah. Will Fork with his helmet off just screaming, you know, yeah. saying, you know, like, no, nah, that field goal wasn't good. But, uh, yeah. you know, get, they got us sometimes. We got them sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I think I think one of the, uh, you know, last comparisons I wanted to make uh, for the uh, veterans is um, Anquan Bolden and OBJ. Um, mm-hmm. You know, people – People remember Bolden in particular for his heroics during the um, 2012 playoff run, and rightfully so. But he didn't have um, much of a um, he didn't have a tremendous statistical season um, during the during the regular season. Um, he scored about four touchdowns um, uh, during during the regular season, and, and just was not you know it wasn't you know he wasn't a top flight number one receiver all season. Um, and, uh, for different reasons than, you know, what we've gotten out of OBJ. I mean, OBJ definitely has less in the tank than Bolton had at that time. Um, but, but, um, he, he has, I think outperformed, I think your expectations and mine. And, you know, at the end of the day, what you hope for is that, 
OBJ continues who to be who he's been these past couple of years and is a guy who shows shines brightest when the lights are brightest is shining on him. Right. Um, and you know, and it comes through, uh, in key catches in the playoffs. Um, and, and that's kind of who he's been sort of throughout the season and sort of some of the biggest moments in primetime games, uh, coming through. Um, so hopefully that will be an apt comparison. Just in terms of that 2012 season for Bolden to, to frame this up. And honestly, he's been a, he's been a much greater player than OBJ is. And we hope OBJ can provide something down the road. But 921 yards during the regular season. He was there for pretty much the whole thing. Did he play all, every game? He played 15 games. Not not 16, but he played 15. He had 65 catches. So four touchdowns. Yeah, that's a little disappointing. But 921 yards. He's part of the offense the whole year. But in the playoffs... 10.6 yards per target on 36 targets. So 380 yards in four playoff games with four more touchdowns um, was where the Bolden Baltimore legend was really made as, as you indicated there before. And that's why people were so frustrated. I think that the Ravens really found themselves in a position where they had to cut him after that season. Yes. They got a salvage of a six round draft pick, but they, they, that was because they had to cut him. Yeah. Um, no, it's, it definitely was, um, painful to look back on because he was he was the he was the engine of that offense um sort of he he kept he kept things churning on third down um and uh and some some of those high leverage downs um and uh you know he was just a clutch player with outstanding hands and outstanding instincts um you know and you just hope that uh you know when uh, whenever OBJ's Ravens career ends, we have some uh, similarly fond memories to think of. Yeah, there you go. And, uh, you know, given given the things, I, I, again, I'd point to the to the um, uh, GM show this week, but we talk a lot about, about the cap hit. But there is a big additional cap constraint going to be put on the Ravens, which makes it even less likely they're going to be able to sign a lot of the free agents that are that are out there right now. Uh, it's, it's the NLTBE bonuses. Beckham earned a, a, a portion of one, but Brian McFarland published that he thought there were uh, in, in the neighborhood of eight or nine million of these to be taken out of what is a already constrained cap by lower revenues than expected. So you, you, you put those two things together and the teams that get hosed by that are the teams that are on the margin in terms of cap. If you have if you have 70, 80 million a cap right now and the cap goes down by 10 million for everybody in the league, you, you, you're doing cartwheels yeah. because you're you you are relatively much more wealthy than the other teams. If you're if you're right at the cap and you're now 10 million under, you got to find out who you cut or who you how you push money forward or, you know, how, how you make extensive use of the credit card to keep your team together. Uh, it's a very difficult situation to be in. Yeah, no, no, no question. Um you know, this is um, just like this was sort of, you know, in 2012, you had a number of players hanging on for their, you know, last ride with the team. Um, I would say mostly by age, um, you know, 2023, you're sort of similarly looking at a bunch of players and saying, like, this is our last best chance to do this together. Um, and hopefully it pans out. Yeah, and 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 it's not dissimilar in a way that they, 
the the second contract for the quarterback loomed over the year in, in both cases. And uh, in, in, in this year, we're in it with Lamar already. Um, in that year, they didn't have the cap space to sign Flacco, so that was a more serious problem. So they knew the team was going to get broken up at the end of the year. Players like um, LRB and Bolden and, and Burke and whatnot knew they were going to have to be gone at the end of the year. Um, and you know they, they had to figure out how to sign Joe Flacco. That was their primary thing during the offseason. And both years, both, both in, the, in the Flacco year and in the, in the Jackson year, um, not having sh- clarity around that situation kind of made it difficult for the Ravens to make plans. Yeah, um, it's uh, certainly easier to you know accomplish what you want to accomplish on a rookie uh, quarterback deal, but uh, you know at, at least we've got that behind us and in the rear view, and now we're um, at least the uncertainty part of it. And um, but that brings its own problems. But that that's a problem for another day, Ken. Uh, in, in the meantime, I, I'm I'm enjoying uh, I'm enjoying the wins. I'm enjoying stealing Christmas presents. And I'm uh, excited to see where this ride takes us. Me too. Me too. Uh, there's always a worrying component of every fan, but believe me, I'm the same way as you. When, when I go to a game, I want to see them win. Um, you know, I want to see them grind out first downs. I want to see them choke the life out of the opponent uh, on a play by play basis. But uh, uh, I, I'm not, not thinking nearly as much about, about salary cap implications for 2024 as I do when I get back to this chair here in my office. Yeah. Hard to, hard to think about anything else when you're, kicking everyone's teeth in and hopefully that continues uh this sunday uh against what some people have termed the most important regular season game in baltimore ravens history do i agree with that that's an interesting claim so what would be the most important games otherwise i'm not sure that the team had a 2000 game that was as important so so what they how they're really defining this is saying that it's it's Important in the fact that we knew it was important going in, not the not like what it what it eventually became to the team. Because like that 2000 Jacksonville game could be right. point to and say, you know, that was more important. OK, so it was that important going in. It's an interesting it's an interesting claim. It's it's up there. Uh, the, the, the thing that came to mind was some of those late season games in um, maybe like 2008 and 2010 against the Steelers. Yeah. Um, because I think that had we won some of those late season games, we would have been hosting and, uh, and just thinking about how razor thin the margins were in some of those games, um, that could have been the difference between us going to the Super Bowl versus not, but it's hard to top guaranteed first round by, mm-hmm. uh, so, so either way stakes are high and, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing us rise, rise to the occasion. Very cool. All right, my friend, always great doing this show with you. Tell folks where they can talk football with you online or, or contact you. I'm on Twitter at Slava Cooperstein. That's S-L-A-V-A-K-U-P-E-R-S-T-E-I-N. Outstanding. Other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, hit me up. DMs are always open on Twitter. I'll get back to you very quickly. Recording one uh, uh, fairly shortly here. Um, other, other folks, uh, uh, if you don't want to be on a short, but you'd like to do something nice for the show, we got two avenues for you. One is write us a nice 50-word five-star review on your favorite podcast channel. Uh, we'd always appreciate that. The other possibility is um, uh, going out and showing this to somebody who doesn't maybe listen to podcasts normally or isn't aware of 
film study and you'd like to you'd like to share that with them and I, what i often find is particularly with an older person um actually showing them how to how to play the thing off the website may be easier than trying to get them attuned to podcasts and then if they like the content maybe maybe that's something that's worth you know down, learning how to download podcasts but uh, uh but it's something that that's it is out there and available that way for Slava Cooperstein, this is Ken McCusick saying goodbye, and we'll talk to you next week on One Last Thing. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.